1: I am the only certificate Santa Claus, mm-hmm. not only in the Holy Land, also in the Middle East.
0: I'm David Knowles, and this is Battle Lines Israel Gaza. The terrorist group Hamas unleashed pure, unadulterated evil in the world. But sadly, the Jewish people know perhaps
2: better than anyone that there is no limit to the depravity of people when they want to inflict pain on others.
0: Like, every place I go, I go run away, and
2: I just find bombs, and I find dead people. And, like, maybe one day I'll end up like them, but it's a really scary thing for me.
0: <laughs> people telling me that, you know, mostly this is about Hamas, but they're also angry with absolutely everybody. I'm- begging the world to bring my baby back home. In this episode of Battle Lines, I speak to Middle East correspondent Natalia Vasilyeva, who brings us up to date with the news from the fighting, the diplomacy and the unprecedented events in the Red Sea as Houthi rebels target international shipping. Then we stay with Natalia for a special dispatch from Jerusalem as she interviews the only licensed Santa in the city, ahead of a Christmas full of worry and fear. For the region's Christian population. Natalia, thank you so much for your time. Could you just talk us through some of the major events you've seen in Israel over the past week?
2: Hi, David, and hi, everyone. Very busy weekend. Israel, Palestinian, and Gaza, and it doesn't look like there's going to be any let-up anytime soon. After about a month, I think it's been a month since we had the first regional hostage deal in which about 100 Israeli hostages were released. For the first time in a month, we're hearing the reports that there are talks on the way between Israel and Hamas mediated by Qatar and Egypt. That looks like that could be they could be producing some results. It looks like both parties are anxious for a pause in fighting, and also the Israeli government has been under pressure from the families of the hostages primarily to try and provide some kind of a solution and then trying to, to rescue some of the people in Hamas captivity. Now, earlier this week, we had the chief of Mossad, the Israeli intelligence agency, the CIA director, and Qatar's prime minister meeting in Poland, I think expectations were very low from the start. No one, no one expected those negotiations to produce an immediate result right away. But reports on Thursday morning suggest that there might be some stumbling blocks for this deal because Israel is believed to have offered a one-week uh, ceasefire in exchange for 40 prisoners. And we have known for a while that Hamas is in favor of a longer pause, it essentially it wants a truce. But we just heard on Thursday morning, from uh, Egyptian officials quoted by the um, pro-Qatar newspaper Al Arabi al-Jadid that the leadership of Hamas, by which we mean its leader Yahya Sinwar, has rejected Israel's offer of a partial ceasefire and instead insisted that they would only agree to a lasting truce and all Palestinian prisoners released, including high-profile pigger. Now, that makes a real big difference compared to the previous rounds of talks because previously Hamas seemed happy to see any Palestinian prisoners walk out of jail. We saw exclusively Palestinian women and children, teenagers, released from Israeli captivity. This time they want really high-profile figures. And this is going to be clearly a sticking point for Israel because there's, there doesn't seem to be any appetite in Israeli society to release people who've been described as, as murderers and terrorists. It's interesting that we even got the names of the people that Hamas wants to release. Among them are not only people linked to Hamas as such, but other Palestinian figures, including most prominently uh, Marwan Barghouti. He is, I would say, hands down the most famous Palestinian leader in jail at the moment. He was imprisoned during the Second Antifada, and he has been in jail for over 20 years now, uh, serving several life sentences without any prospect of getting released. And it's interesting, it was really interesting to see his name being mentioned, because a recent opinion poll in the West Bank showed that Barghouti was a more popular choice as the leader of the Palestinian Authority than the current president Mahmoud Abbas or any other Palestinian figure. Separately, I think we should uh, speak broadly about the region because obviously one of the biggest stories in the recent weeks is a crisis that we're seeing around the Red Sea where Yemen's Houthi rebels have been attacking commercial ships. And I think there's been at least 15 ships that have been attacked in one way or another that has prompted a real crisis in commercial shipping we've seen some major shipping company cancelling the trip, saying that they would be rerouting their vessels. They'll be rerouting them around Africa which would add at least 10 days to its journey. And on Monday at least there was a bit of a progress on on that front. We heard from the United States when the Pentagon unveiled an international coalition aimed to stop the attacks by the Kussis and take some steps to stop this massive disruption to global shipping that at the end of the day is not just about travel times for vessels but it's about the free movement of goods, prices for commodities and goods that everyone uses. Houthis have promised to keep attacking Israeli vessels or Israeli-linked vessels as they view them. And they even warned the United States against trying to disrupt their activities, saying that they would attack American warships if they felt there was a threat on their interests in the regions. And I think we should definitely mention what's happening in Gaza It's been about two months, two full months since the ground invasion of Gaza and two and a half months since the start of the Israeli bombing campaign. The humanitarian situation inside the Gaza Strip keeps on deteriorating. The latest sign of how bad things are is the joint report by the UN and several NGOs released on Tuesday that declared catastrophic hunger, as they called it, in Gaza, which is just one step away from the official declaration of famine. Now, if we look back in history, the UN has declared famine only twice in the past 20 years in different parts of the world, including in Sudan most recently. Uh, That report suggests that more than 1.3 million people in Gaza are now believed to be in the emergency or in the catastrophe stage as far as hunger goes. And food shortages are reported to be so extreme that one in four households suffers from starvation. Israel has begun to allow more humanitarian aid to Gaza in recent weeks. We saw that, we saw more trucks, but the amount is still inadequate to meet the needs of more than 2 million people, most of whom have been displaced of their homes by IDF bombings in the center, in the north of Gaza, and have been migrating to a tiny corner in the south of Gaza Strip. If you talk about day-to-day life for, for Gazans, the, the people I spoke to, they personally have not seen humanitarian aid or aid packages anywhere if available. They haven't seen them being distributed. What I have heard from people in Gaza is that you can go to a market, they call it a market, where you can buy some of the aid food, which is clearly marked not for sale and of I've seen some of the pictures. Someone have sent me snapshots of packs of energy biscuits labelled not for sale in Arabic and um, in English. And this is the stuff that, that gets sold in Gaza. So this shows another dimension, another urgency to the ceasefire talks that I spoke about earlier.
0: Thank you so much, Natalia. Natalia, could you tell us just a little bit about the story you wrote up for The Telegraph about the IDF almost capturing a Hamas uh, leader, the mastermind of October the 7th. What happened there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yahweh Sinwar is the central figure of what happened in Israel on October 7th and the war that followed. He's not only the leader of Hamas, there are several leading figures in that movement, but he's believed to be the masterminder of the attack. He's someone who spent two decades in an Israeli prison. He was released about 10 years ago, unlike many other Hamas leaders, both his supporters and um, sort of foes in Israel if I, m- I may put it this way, have described him as a f- fanatic in both positive and negative sense of the word, which, whichever side you you take here. And I've heard from many people that if it wasn't for Sinwar that attack maybe would not have happened because of the sheer scale of it, of the audacity of the fact that anyone who would be masterminding that attack would imagine that the pushback, that the Israel's reaction would be as catastrophic as it was. So, in that context, it's not surprising that catching Sinwar and eliminating Sinwar, as they called it, has been one of the primary goals for the Israeli military in, in Gaza. They have vowed to eradicate Hamas, and they have also vowed to hunt down Sinwar in this symbolic gesture of going after the person who orchestrated the massacre on October the 7th. There were different reports in recent weeks and months how close the idea to catching him. Obviously, it's one of the key war goals. A couple of weeks ago, we heard from senior idea figures that they have surrounded one of Sinwar's houses, and they believed he was there, obviously not in the actual house, but somewhere underground. And uh, just earlier this week, we heard that the IDF and uh, Shin Bet, the Israeli security agency, were very close to catching Sinwar actually in recent days and more than once in recent weeks. According to Israel's Channel 12, Israeli forces were immediately in the underground tunnels where Sinwar was hiding just shortly. So he, he managed um, to flee just before the troops arrives. Obviously, it shows that if, if that indeed is true, the Israeli troops have excellent intelligence tracing the most wanted person in Gaza. But so far, he's been able to Escape. He was originally hiding in Gaza City in the north, as far as I understand, and later managed to escape to Khan Yunus in the south, which has been one of the epicenters of fighting. Khan Yunus has seen some of the worst bombings in this war, but so far we haven't heard an indication that he has been caught or that the IDF is just about to do that.
0: Thank you so much, Natalia. And just finally, last time we spoke, you were in Bethlehem in the West Bank, um, looking for signs of Christmas, and you didn't find many. Um, Has that changed much recently?
2: I was quite surprised to hear from the Bethlehem City Hall, where I was just a week ago. And at that time, the mayor of Bethlehem told us that there would definitely be no celebrations. Because of what's happening in Gaza, and everyone was so distraught they, no one was in the mood to celebrate. So I recently heard from them, and they received an invitation to come to Bethlehem on Christmas Eve. I was a bit surprised, thinking that may- maybe they are going to light that Christmas tree after all. And it turned out to be that it's going to be something completely different. So apparently there is going to be a ceremony of raising the Palestinian flag and inaugurating something that they called the art vigil of the nativity under the rubble. So it looks like they will try to make a point on Christmas Eve, sending a message of peace, of ceasefire, calling for ceasefire in Gaza, while trying to do it on Christmas Day. So I will hope to make it there on Sunday, on Christmas Eve. And uh, we'll see how it goes.
0: Thank you, Natalia. Ahead of Christmas... We're actually going to stay with Natalia, who recently interviewed Jerusalem's only certified Santa, who's been having a very low-key holiday season. Back to Natalia Vasilyeva.
1: I've been Santa 15 years. After I've been in Santa school in the United States, I came back and mm-hmm. I say I want to do something different. We never have. Santa House in in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Maybe someone used to put suits just for fun. Mm -hmm. It's not like to be professional. Actually, I'm the only certificate Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. Not only in the Holy Land, also in the Middle East. (laughs) Okay. Because the record of Santa Claus for the school which I've been when I was there around six thousand was educated and I asked them Mm -hmm. in the record. Did somebody came from the Holy Land? Right. Never. Right. Did somebody came from the Middle East? Never. You are the first Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Certificate Santa mm-hmm. from the Holy Land yeah. and from the Middle East yeah.
2: but anyhow, you are growing up in Jerusalem uh, Then, How did you get the idea to, to make a living out of it?
1: First, my family lived here more than 900 years We are the first Christian family in the old city of Jerusalem mm-hmm. Because they used to do a lot of work also Now, hundreds of years, families used to, do to, to work and build churches Help and work uh-huh. in churches uh-huh. And then we have Tiles Factory Mm. Jerusalem That's this is my grandfather mm, that's so beautiful, Yeah, and uh, it's used to be this is the way how they used to do the ties in Jerusalem
2: yeah
1: and of course uh, how I become to be Santa that's a good question that uh,
2: well, how do you get an idea <laughs> yes
1: actually uh, my father mm-hmm. used to wear Santa clothes for me and my fi- my mm-hmm. sister as every father mm-hmm. and mother want
2: to make yeah.
1: you know kids happy yeah and uh, before 15 years ago I just found uh, his suit, which he used, which uh-huh. is like not like normal suit. Yeah, I yeah. put it on and make fun, and then I I went to Jaffa Gate because the municipality of Jerusalem give Christmas tree. huh. And I went just one mm-hmm. day here mm-hmm. for yeah. two hours. Uh-huh. I went to Jaffa Gate, uh-huh. and that's how it started first time. And
2: so I you went, you people. went, you went dressed up, right? Yeah, but it's not like professional.
1: Yeah. And I, I look at the eyes mm-hmm. of the people mm-hmm. and children. Wow.
2: -hmm. Shiny
1: eyes, Mm -hmm. uh, happy, smiling. Mm -hmm. Wow! Is this like? Did Santa do this? Because Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I never meet Santa, real Santa. Yeah. Okay. I see in television. When we we used to do like meet somebody that like not really professional Santa, Mm -hmm. and from this moment I say, wow, why not? I wanna give them happiness for Mm -hmm. each other. And after the year and year, everybody say, are you coming to Jeff Gate just for you know? for the Christmas yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: tree. Yeah.
1: the Christmas day. And I say, okay, I'm coming. Mm-hmm. Then I came, next year, and the third year, and the fifth year. Uh-huh. After the fifth year, I say, 2000 years, they used mm-hmm. to ride and transport Jerusalem was on the camp. I want to try to enter Jerusalem, camp, <laughs> which I did today. Today was a big, from six in the morning, I'm riding everywhere in Jerusalem, it was beautiful. I went from the Mount of Olive, showing that I'm coming to Jerusalem.
2: Mm-hmm. Where, do you, where does one get a camel in
1: Jerusalem? The people own the, you work for tourists to take a picture, okay, to ride right. a That's what you yeah. used to yeah, yeah. do before, Javagate, but they don't do it mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. And that's what happened. I went to Jerusalem mm-hmm. on a camel. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was published everywhere mm-hmm. in the world, the mm-hmm. news, mm-hmm. saying the Santa Claus in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. ride a camel. And that's how it's grown more and more and more. And in 2016, I received a call from Santa School. "Are you the Santa Claus from Jerusalem who ride a camel?" I said, mm-hmm. "Yes, what?" And then do you like to join our mm-hmm. Santa school?" say "Yeah, why not?" And mm-hmm. then I went next year 2017. Mm-hmm. I did the very I was like, we were 600 Santa Claus there from all around the United States, Denmark, uh, Finland, mm-hmm. Norway. Mm-hmm. I learned more about the word of Santa Claus. And then I came back and I started Mm -hmm. you think oh i have three four months Mm
2: -hmm. shall i
1: try yeah why not i start with this room only and then i start to collect like workshop cookie kitchens the christmas tree Mm -hmm. the nativity Mm -hmm. and the fireplace and all try to collect most of the stuff i have from my Uh grandfather and my father like tools Uh and you know hundreds of years they never make toys from plastics Mm -hmm. or or from factory yeah only wood um, material that's yeah. how they used to do toys yeah, yeah. and that's what i showed the people the kids and the children the people mm-hmm. of the world and that's how it is
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i came back from santa school i started mm-hmm. to prepare here first year was shot ch- i didn't tell nobody about it mm-hmm. suddenly i say i announce it oh I, we have a santa house mm-hmm. and uh, that's how it continue be more and more mm-hmm. they, i go every year travel to the united states mm-hmm. denmark we go mm-hmm. to the world congress santa Claus congress in denmark copenhagen in july mm-hmm. And I meet all the Santa I'm ambassador now. They mm-hmm. and now they gave me the ambassador mm-hmm. for all the Santa around mm-hmm. the world to the Holy Land. Uh-huh. And of course, I make the oath. Right. What's mean the oath? Uh-huh. If you wear your red suit, mm-hmm. you put your hand and you promise mm-hmm. to God that mm-hmm. you want to give mm-hmm. your best mm-hmm. when you're wearing as a sand mm-hmm. for the children. That's the message I want to bring. For me, Jerusalem is the heart of the world. Yeah, and we try to bring the peace and love from the heart. Right.
2: In a on a regular year who who typically comes to see you all religion. Mm-hmm.
1: Jewish Christian Muslim mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. everybody come here everybody loves Christmas mm-hmm. and everybody want to come especially mm-hmm. the Christian community mm-hmm. tourist international but it's more from different religions because they want to live the spirit and the happiness for Christmas mm-hmm. they love it you mm-hmm. know I always mm-hmm. try to for me whatever happened I'm i am which we have passed with mm-hmm. Corona and mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. also the war. But mm-hmm. I tried always to bring this message. Mm-hmm. I don't care mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm. If I stop to do because of this, then what about children? Mm-hmm. What about our message? Yeah. Well, nobody can hear it. We need to send this message with the light of the tree, mm-hmm. light of peace from Jerusalem mm-hmm. around the world.
2: How does uh, the old city feel different now from the,
1: you know, Especially Jerusalem in the old city is empty because people live from tourism. When there are tourists, Something else. All people wait until Mm -hmm. they open because the airport, no flights also, and they are Mm -hmm. scared to stuck here, Mm -hmm. you know. And we, I contact many people from around, they say, when Mm -hmm. we want to open, we want to go back, you Mm know. Mm -hmm. But uh, I wish soon the world would finish and we go to normal life. sometimes they used to have war between Gaza, but it's, I never see it like this, really mm-hmm. seriously. The children tell me, are you coming because of the war? Yes, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I do my best to come for you.
2: I, I spoke to some people yesterday, parents of kids, and some of them said it was a dilemma for them at all, whether to come at all, because like they don't feel like celebrating. Everyone feels very sad. Do you get the feeling from your guests that other people that people are struggling to find you know holiday spirit to celebrate this year
1: especially now I have yes two days I have heard many people came oh thank you Santa mm-hmm. because you open your house because there's nothing in Jerusalem in the old city nothing is active mm-hmm. nothing has happened because of Christmas everything mm-hmm. is shut down no lights mm-hmm. no Christmas that's the things I'm trying to fight for that to bring mm-hmm. as much I can to make It happened and to send the message from Jerusalem for Christmas. I think they need to not celebrate, but just do something for the children or Mm -hmm. light a tree of peace. You don't need to celebrate big celebration, Mm -hmm. just you can't do it. But that's what I say people, put Christmas in your home. Because you want your children to Mm -hmm. feel the spirit and the Christmas time.
0: battle lines is an original podcast from the telegraph to stay on top of all of our news analysis and dispatches from the ground in israel and gaza subscribe to the telegraph or sign up to dispatches which brings stories from our award-winning foreign correspondents straight to your inbox we also have a live blog on our website where you can follow updates as they come in throughout the day including insights from contributors to this podcast if you appreciated the podcast please consider following battle lines on your preferred podcast app and if you have a moment, Leave a review, as it helps others find the show. As disinformation is a particular problem during conflict, we are relying on your support more than ever. Battle Lines is part of wider Telegraph foreign coverage in our podcasts. If you're interested in finding out more about the war in Ukraine, you can listen to Battle Lines' sister podcast, Ukraine The Latest. This episode of Battle Lines was produced by me, David Knowles, and executive producer, Louisa Wells.